LaRonda Sweat. Darisha Armstrong. Jessica Williams. Corinne Gaines. Deborah Danner. Morgan London Rankins. Alteria Woods. Joni Block. Charlena Lyles. India N. Nelson. Sandy Guardiola. Geraldine Townsend. Crystalline Barnes. Decynthia Clements. Shukri Ali Syed. Lashonda Anderson. Cynthia Fields. Derecia Blackwell. Luana Phillips. Tamika Lachey Simpson. April Webster. Angel Viola DiCarlo. Brittany Danielle McLean. Latasha Nicole Walton. Nina Adams. Pamela Shante Turner. Crystal Danielle Raglan. Atiana Coquise Jefferson. Brianna Taylor. Say, Say her, her name. name. The list of names you just heard is not the list of college graduates, rather the list of black women and girls killed by the police from 2016 to the present day. Thank you so much for joining us back at Flesh and Bold. We're heartbroken for Breonna Taylor's family and the denial of justice for all the black women and girls in this country. And it isn't lost on us that we just finished a Flesh and Bold episode discussing how black women and girls are invisible, forgotten, and in this case, disregarded. So in honor of Breonna Taylor and all the women and girls we named as we open, we dedicate this episode to them. Rest in power. Okay, so how was this week for you? Terrible. How was this week for you? Yeah, it was pretty shitty. (laughs) All around, I think. Oh, man. I got the first email ever, I feel like, from our um, place of business that told the truth. Mm. The opening line was, this was bullshit. Mm. I was like, ooh, this came from a university email. It's pretty awesome. Um, But I just really feel like the whole, like, after Brianna Taylor's, that... um, that information came out about the officers and what the charges were going to be. It was just so heartbreaking. It's disappointing. I, I feel like I really should have taken that next day off because after that, like trying to do business as usual is like impossible. Like I just told the truth in way too many meetings mm. and it may not be good for my career. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, I told my class, um, I was like, you know, I can't keep up the veil today. Um, Snaps. uh, Especially because, and I totally forgot how shitty just of an all-around week it was because of the death of RBG. Mm. Um, It makes me feel like we may never get justice um, for black folks, especially black women. Um, And so in meeting, I remember meeting with my class, we were all kind of just kind of going through the motions. Mm. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard week and I felt like a lot of folks just like carried on, you know, like business as usual and I just, I couldn't do it. It was just too hard. Well, you know what? I was, in all honesty, I was one of the people that carried on initially and I think it was because of two reasons. One, because 
we don't get justice in general, but because I think that's how I've learned to self-care. Because it wasn't until a student's right brought up, um, you know, it, and then it's like, damn, yeah, I have to face with this reality. Mm. Um, and so it was like a moment of, uh, you know, uh, blissful ignorance and then a remainder, which uh, once again, I think is my privilege of, as a mass identified performing oftentimes person of like, I didn't. I can, like, not worry about it to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like this was so hard because we were like, if no other case would win, (laughs) this case would win, right? right? Yeah. And, like, even, like, not only did I feel like they obviously aren't doing Breonna Taylor justice at all, but also, like, just to slap you in the face more not only are we not going to give her justice but we're going to say these other lives are more important than hers yeah right with the charges that were brought like endangering the neighbors around her right versus the murder what kind of sense that made her that's i don't get it but yeah yeah i saw a meme that was like uh cops got charged for the bullets that missed Mm-hmm. And not the bullets that hit. Right, which doesn't make any sense. Wow. So, Nev, what comes to mind when you think of police? Like, what thoughts and feelings and behaviors do the police solicit for you? I think, like, cognitively, I just see, when I close my eyes and, and I hear the word, I see red and danger. Hmm. Um... When I, when I think more, I think of, like, what they're supposed to do, I guess, in, in protecting. But that's um, in, in, the, in the back of my mind, not in the front. I think, who right now, I find myself getting, like, a shortness of breath. Mm. And I think that's indicative of the experience that I have around police um, and the thought um yeah i yeah i just think i think thought wise i think fear danger feelings wise it's like this uh, feeling of apprehension and hesitantness and then also like behavior wise i think like button up like i ain't been buttoned before like get it together be very straight no sudden movements um try not to seem like a threat Mm. yeah what about you i definitely have the fear like i think um that's one of the first words that come to mind it's like fear and the feeling of being scared and all of that but i think more recently feelings of like wanting to protect my son Mm. come up a lot and like um not only like protecting him from the very real threat that I think the police are to him in that, but also like this protection of like his loss of innocence and childhood when it comes to the police, like just, Mm. you know, even coming to your house when um, police were there, he's like, let's get in the house. Hurry, hurry. Let's get in the house. 
and he's seven. And so I don't think I remember feeling that way when I was seven about the police, but he very much feels that way. And so it's like this loss of like innocence and my inability to protect him comes up a lot. Mm, that inability to protect him and the idea that you would even have to do so. Yeah, yes. from the protectors, if you will. Yeah, and bringing up your son, um, I'm not surprised that he had that because I've seen him yeah. like clench up and get nervous around police and make sure that we're following all the rules and mm. that we're doing what we're supposed to and that we're, you know, staying in order, which that on so many levels just saddens me yeah and it's weird right because like when a lot of kids when they grow up they want to be a policeman and a firefighter and like all the front front line or first line people right mm. um and he was no different right so i've never heard him say that like i mean after he's gotten older and kind of more aware of what's happening he never says he wants to be a police officer anymore really i remember yeah. when he first <laughs> He first told me he said he wanted to be a police officer and an NBA player. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm. I know you want to support that dream. You're also like, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't heard him say that recently. Wow. That's interesting. So where do you think that comes from with your son and your, your, your thoughts, your own thoughts about, um, being afraid of police and stuff um i think reality i mean <laughs> i don't i don't know how else to say it it's yeah. not like a a fairy tale or folk tale that's been passed down it's we even now have like video audio evidence mm. of um the persecution of black people mm. by the police and i've tried really hard to protect him specifically from those stories and mm that but it clearly have been ineffective because he has absorbed a lot of that stuff and then my own personal fear I think same is like the news stories being you know being a part of living in the black experience like being pulled over or having you know friends and family pulled over and being you know constantly scared or surveilled in some way what about for you? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you say, like, your reality and it hasn't come, like, handed down to you. Um, because it has come somewhat handed down to me, but we already discussed our differences in <laughs> <laughs> upbringings. Um, uh, but I don't think it was, like, this direct messaging. It was seeing Dad pulled over. Mm-hmm hearing how upset that he got about being pulled over because there wasn't a valid reason to be pulled over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it's come from a lot from, I think, my own own experiences. But to me, there is like this sad, haunting generational aspect, which I think is why I kind of fear for your son, mm-hmm. my nephew as well, because it seems like... Uh, and I've heard a lot of my friends in the black community talk about breaking generational curses. Mm. And it seems like usually they're referring to like trauma or, and, and those kind of things. But this seems like a generational curse that I actually feel very helpless in, um, in, in changing, unfortunately. Mm. 
That's interesting, this idea of generational curses. And I almost feel like it's the police that need to break that curse. Mm. Snaps. <laughs> right? Like, it's not on us. Um, in thinking about the police, what's your... Do you have an earliest memory of the police? And can you tell me about, like, your first encounter with them? Earliest recollection and first encounter. Both. Okay. Earliest recollection I can remember is... And this is my personal recollection. I think I had seen dad or someone get pulled over before. But earliest I can remember. And it sticks out pretty vividly. Uh, It was one day after school. Um, I probably was in the fifth grade fifth or fourth grade maybe even third um there was a kid in the grade above me um his his dad was a sheriff Mm. um and everyone loved his dad thought his dad was a cool person Mm. um i i didn't really know them because we were like newer to the school anyway right um i remember one day his dad came to pick him up in his car in the sheriff's car and I remember everyone running up to his dad's car mm. into the sheriff to like say hi and stuff. And I like waited a little in the back because I was like, I felt vis- viscerally like um, it might not be the best option for me to approach. And I don't really know him. He doesn't really know me. So um yeah it wasn't i i remember just vividly not having the same kind of excitement that the other white kids had wow even then like even then without a direct kind of yeah 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 for sure interaction with them you felt like oh i need to keep my distance and stay yeah stay back yeah um so that was my kind of first recollection of me as an individual by myself. But damn, like... Facing the law. Like, even at that age, you're processing, like, all the inputs of, like, how do I keep myself physically safe and psychologically safe? At that young of an age, yeah. like, that's nuts to me. Like, you're, like, calculating, like, beep up, beep up. Like, is it safe for me to approach the vehicle? No, it is not. Because homeboy doesn't know me. Because he's a police officer, like all like that's so crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, black kids can't be free out here. Can't be free. Um, yeah. And then your other question was my first recollection and my first encounter, encounter like where you actual. were. Yeah. Um, I remember I used to get and we kind of talked about like you remember your encounters, but truthfully, uh I I don't really, really remember. I think it was, I got pulled over one time after driving my then girlfriend, RIP to the hetero life, um, <laughs> to home. And it was in an area that my mom, that mom had told me many times before, like, be careful when you're driving through this area because they will pull you over just for being black. And certainly... Um, and so what I will say about that first interaction is, oh, I found myself again, once again, heart beating. I'm like mm. right back there. I remember him asking me to step out the car. Wow. And I was in a beat up, your old car, beat up mm. Chevy Cab, the Green Hornet. Oh yeah. R.I.P. R. As R. well. Um, and... 
I just remember like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? But honestly, I was just so scared and focused of like, what did I do wrong? And then when he asked me to step out the car, I was like really terrified. And then he went to show me um, that, he, and when I got out the car, he said, you're, you're shaking, what's wrong? Um, like, what's wrong? Like, is there something like I should know or something as if like, you know, like, I think he was asking like, are you doing something wrong? Yeah, what you doing, bro? And I was like, uh, I'm shaking because I got pulled over. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't know what I did, like all this stuff. And so he was like, oh, okay. Um, and he showed me the back of the car and said, you don't have a light over your license plate. I'm rolling my eyes. You can't see that, but I'm rolling them. And yeah, I kid you not. Um, that happened five more times. Like that, that kind of interaction like oh you don't have a license plate i come to find out about the light of the light over i come to find out like that um has been known to be somewhat of a tactic because there are certain cars after a certain year where that started a light over the um Mm. license plate when that started so older cars right wouldn't have that so like Mm. poor right folks wouldn't necessarily have have that car So it was an infraction that was easy to be like, yeah, you don't do this, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time, so this had happened like seven times. There was one time I was driving with dad from Columbus, from Ohio State back to like Cincinnati or something. Dad was um, sleeping in the car Uh, and I was driving. Can't sleep while black. Yeah. I was driving and I got put, I see sirens and I was like, and he was sleeping. And so the tread of the side of the road woke, woke him up. Um, but uh, I was so happy uh, to get pulled over because that's the first time I got a ticket. And it was just joyous because that was the first time I had a real reason that I got pulled over. Mm, that's crazy. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. Like, just, oof. It's like, yeah. I thought you were going to say that's the first, you know, like I was happy because dad was there or something mm. like that. But no, we are celebrating that we get pulled over for just cause yeah. and getting a ticket. Like who celebrates yeah, that? Exactly. Because the light over the license plate, the improper left turn, um, things like that. So, yeah. Um, what about you? Just bullshit. But, yeah. <laughs> to use my colleague's word. <laughs> It seems like the right word for the week. Um, man, earliest memory of the police. I I feel like I remember dad being pulled over a ton of times and saying driving while black. Um, and so I remember hearing that, but like that is a very distant memory. I um, remember more vividly of like living in dad's neighborhood and having neighborhood friends, mostly guys that I remember coming home, I don't know where I was, but coming home with my cousin and we were walking like up Reading Road and onto our little side street. And I just remember seeing my friends on the ground face down with their hands behind their back. It was like maybe three or four of them. I knew probably two or three of them. 
and the police yelling at them and their face down. And I just remember being really scared and wanting to be able to help them or do mm-hmm. something, but not knowing what to do mm-hmm. or who to call. Cause like, who are you gonna call the police on the police? Right. But remember thinking like so scared for them. And like, this was before video, you know, like cameras in your phone that I could record and make sure they were okay. But that's the first kind of vivid, vivid memory I have of the police and being really scared that something bad was going to happen to them. Have there been any other like huge or main re- interactions that you've had with police that really stand out to you? I know you kind of discussed yeah, one. I told that story um, on our last episode about being pulled over by the woman officer for uh, speeding. I do remember like in grad school getting pulled over by the police, but I was in the passenger seat. I can't remember, this is so sad because there have been so many, I can't remember who had just been killed, but mm. some someone had just, maybe it was Philando Castillo, or I don't, I don't remember who it was, but it was someone that had just gotten killed, or Sam Dubois in Cincinnati, um, and so my friend was driving from wherever we were in Ann Arbor up to our class, we were supposed to be in class. And I don't remember if she was speeding, frankly. She, she probably was, because we were running late for class. That I do remember. And so she got pulled over, and I remember being so scared. I was in the passenger seat. It was right after someone was killed by the police. And I, my heart was, like, racing. And then the police officer comes on her side, and she already kind of has, like, a higher-pitched voice, but it got higher, and she was, mm. like speaking like very pressured and obviously nervous and and I think scared but the police officer was like so caught off guard by her Mm. pressured speech and kind of high-pitched tone he's like calm down it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay and she's like I'm calm I'm calm I'm calm (laughs) she's like and she um, we had she had her little badge that said doctor she's like you know I was rushing from the hospital um trying to make it to this class He's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I remember thinking, like, either this guy is so acutely aware of what's going on, he knows he's got two black women in the car and this event just happened and mm-hmm. we're scared. Or like the Ann Arbor Police Department is the nicest police department I will ever meet. Like, I don't know which one it was, yeah. probably the the former. But um, I just remember thinking, I'm gonna die. Like, I'm oh, gonna wow. die in this car, pulled over by this police oh, officer. Oh my gosh. It was my first thought. I'm sure it was through her mind too. I was terrified. Yeah. That's my most vivid encounter. Oh, and I wasn't even driving. That, that's pretty fucking vivid. Yeah. I'm going to die. Was it? Oh, I was like, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. I'm going to die. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <sighs> that's terrifying. But I think the biggest one is I was driving from because of dad's reaction to this, but I was driving. Um, I was in town for from a college break, and um, dad had uh, dad and our little brother and sister. We're we're all gonna go to Chipotle. Mm-hmm. I was driving separately, and I was following them down the hill. And as I'm driving down, I see a cop car, and I was like, and I wasn't breaking any laws. I wasn't doing anything because like you could see the cop cop from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I bet this cop car is going to turn out and start following me. I was in mm-hmm. mom's BMW. Mm. And um, sure enough, it did. And I said, oh, I bet it's going to like turn its sirens on. And it did. 
And I was in this intersection and kind of um, blocking traffic. So I pulled into like basically like a grocery store parking lot that was right there. Mm. But because I didn't want to look like I was fl- like fleeing or like running because it had been a while, um, I like pulled right on the edge. I saw there were two cars behind the cop car that looked like they were trying to get in. And I thought I was blocking traffic. Mm. So I pulled up a little bit. Mm. Right. And I pull up a little bit and I see the two cars that were behind the officer, like stay kind of behind the officer. The officer gets out of his car, draws his gun, Mm -hmm. approaches me with a drawn gun. I am scared shitless. Um, And at this point, people would get out of the two cars behind him and I realized those two cars were undercover cops mm. um, and they're all like guns drawn um, and asked me um, so I already have turned off the engine have my hands on the wheel um, I think I think the first thing they did asked me to like uh, roll down my window so I think my window was rolled down or I just could have heard him yell and told me to like Get out my car. Get out of the car with my hands up, and then place the hands on the car and things like that. And I at at that point, I, I probably also thought I was gonna die. I was mm. like, I'm gonna. They're gonna shoot me. Um, they're gonna shoot me. Um, and then he. They all go. They they they're. I, I feel surrounded. You get out. Yeah, I got out the car. Um, and they, like, pat me, search me. There's three of them and one of me. Um, pat me, search me. Uh, basically explain that, oh, uh, whenever you stop and go, like, that puts our life at danger and we think, like, you're trying to run or flee. And I told them why I did it. Um, and, uh. I told him that he could search the car, all these things. Um, I was terrified. I was like, please, I just want to, like, not be here. Um, But I remember they never told me why they put me over in the first place. I was going to ask you. Yeah. No, actually, I think he did. He said, you made an improper left turn. I was going straight down a hill. Yeah. Um. And I remember after that feeling just so helpless, so angry. That's the first time I also felt very angry Mm. Um, and helpless. I went to Facebook. Well, before I went to Facebook, I remember I, because I was, right, meeting dad um, and our brother and sister at Chipotle. I remember finally getting there and being there late, obviously. Mm. And they were like, oh, what happened? Like, why are you late? And I was like... And I told dad the situation and I just remember him being kind of numb to it. Mm. Being like, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I'm like shaking right now because like the thought of anything happening to you would like literally paralyze me. But I remember you posting. I, I don't think you, maybe you didn't say exactly what happened in the Facebook post. I can't remember, but I remember seeing that post. Mm. And talking to mom or talking to you about, oh my God, what happened? Mm. So when dad heard, because you were, it was fresh after um, that happened, you went to dad, right? 
And so he just like, no reaction? Yeah, because I remember being so kind of upset with him, but like, is is this kind of like maybe disappointed in society? Like, is this what we're expected to accept? And then mm-hmm. I remember when, when posting like some people's reactions were, oh, you know, you should blah, 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 report, blah, blah, blah. Other folks, like, same thing happened to me, this mm-hmm. whole improper left turn or, or or the light thing. And it just seemed like it doesn't matter if I yeah. report. Like, it doesn't, like, it, it won't matter. Will change. Yeah. <sighs> That's hard. This sucks, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> But I think, like, one of the things, um, to me, like, where I felt helpless, which I'm appreciative somewhat now, is, like, at the end of the day, then, it will always be, at that point, it was always my word against the police officer's Mm -hmm. words. And there were three of them. Right. right? And so... Right. So, um, But that makes me think of, like, what we're going to be discussing and, like... um, these other parts but like one of the things when I think about like police reform and body cameras yeah where now like there's only so many lives you can tell they still find ways to do it Mm -hmm. or not to care but just the video videos and us recording videos Mm -hmm. uh, citizens community policing all that stuff and so in that case would a body cam even have helped you Mm. any last words or final thoughts about the police or anything we talked about I think you know in this and talking about our own experiences and talking about this we laugh a lot um, and oftentimes I think that laugh that we have is also a coping mm. of the reality Um, and the fear because one I think we as black people are just amazing and resilient and to keep on going snaps especially um, black women um, say it are as I as I say black women are our past our present (laughs) and our future Um, and I think that we're talking and um, I just can't still feel a little bit of hopelessness and helplessness. Not saying that our podcast or this episode was supposed to take that away from for anybody or for me. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really do hope that when I walk down the street with my son, he doesn't want to run every time he sees the police. That's my hope, but I, I don't think we have any hopeful ending message with the death of RBG, Breonna Taylor, and countless others. It feels really hopeless right now. Mm. It does. Um, but you're a mental health professional, so what should, what should we be doing to take care of ourselves? Yeah. I think the first thing we really need to do is give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves, um, especially with all that's going on. And there's... I don't know if you know, Nia, but there's also a pandemic. (laughs) I did not know. Um, Yeah. Give yourself permission. Like a lot of the world seems to be our society wants to do business as usual. 
and things like that. So giving your permission, yourself permission to be like, whoa, wait, actually check in with yourself. Um, and then also prioritizing our self-care um, because it's easy to put it on the back burner and be like, oh, I'll go to that yoga class next week or, mm. oh, I'll do this meditation piece next week or I'll, or, or I'll find time to breathe um, in an hour. Mm. And then before we know it, we never did it or we miss it. Right. And then we got, especially as black folk, higher <laughs> levels when it comes to like stress, hypertension, all this stuff done built up. So... <laughs> <laughs> So true. So really giving yourself permission, the self-care, prioritizing it, and protecting it. So the three Ps. Oh, yeah, I just made mm, that up. Trademark that. There we go. <laughs> what were they? Permission, right? prioritize, and protect. I love that. Yes. I think we would be remiss if we didn't tell our listeners there was one more name we didn't say. Mm. So we ended um, when we did our list of names with Brianna Taylor, but... She actually isn't the most recent to be shot by the police, killed by the police, um, or in police custody. So Priscilla Slater, 38, on June 25th, 2020. This was posted on Say Her Name. She died on June 10th, 2020 in Harper Woods, Michigan. Priscilla died after allegedly being found unresponsive in her holding cell. The day before, Priscilla had been arrested in connection with a shooting incident, and two supervisors and four civilian aides of the police department have since been placed on administrative leave. Michigan State Police has launched an investigation onto Priscilla's death. So rest in power, Priscilla Slater. Say her name. Say her name. We'd like to thank Wayne Garris, our editors, all of the women girls that this country has been leeching off of um, raping killing and forgetting about for centuries Um, listen subscribe follow invite a friend all our episodes aren't this somber but this one is really important y'all we know halloween's coming don't be doing no problematic shit okay (laughs) y'all stay at home in covid don't dress as no ethnicities or nothing like that it's not a costume just like go as i don't i don't know something not not no appropriation this year we didn't focus on it but please don't do it yeah y'all know better do better